Podcast. Welcome to the Unapologist Podcast. Today we have the Captain Kirk of all leaders, Christopher Polson, <laughs> and the red shirt guy on this end, Vito McKenzie. <laughs> we are also joined by a very special guest. We've been talking about this and joking about this for so many episodes now about, you know, being the best teacher in Canada. Well, guess what? <laughs> we got him here. Chris, do you want to introduce him? Uh, we are so happy today to be able to uh, have Dr. Glenn Sharp on the show. Uh, just a little background to him. He completed his B.Ed. at Lakehead, his M.Ed. at Nipissing. He went on to do his doctorate at the University of Toronto. He has uh, won multiple awards throughout his career. In 2015, he was awarded the Researcher Award with the Aboriginal Circle of Educators. Uh, he was awarded the Governor General's Award in 2016 and in 2018, the Chancellor's Award for Excellence in Teaching from Nipissing uh, University. And then, of course, uh, last June 2019, he was awarded the Carl Mitchell Community Engagement Award from the University of Toronto Alumni Association. And I am, uh, I guess I'm so proud to say that uh, Glenn was actually one of my teachers when I was doing my Bachelor of Education and was uh, incredibly, incredibly influential in a lot of the ways that I think and the way that I practice my particular craft. So welcome to the show, Glenn. Thank you very much. My CV does sound pretty good when it's read like that. Yeah, that's... I'm a pretty cool guy. But it's 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 all 100% earned. 100% well, earned. I appreciate it. And it's a pleasure to be here with you both. Oh, it's a pleasure as ours. We're here to learn. Uh, but before we do that, can, can you tell us your story? Like, who are you? What led you to where you are today? That that whole lead up thing. Sure. I was born in Toronto. Uh, spent my formative years in Bramley, which is about 30 minutes north of Toronto. And Chris mentioned all the schools that I attended. I also went to Sheridan and I really enjoyed my time there. I'm a big believer in the college system. Um, didn't get into my B at the first crack, you know, I, um, I didn't hmm. get in, I, re I reapplied, but, um, you know, asking why I didn't get in, they said, you need more experience. So I, I was able to get a full, full-time TA position with the appeal board, um, in 89. And so they actually, sorry, they actually wanted you to have more experience teaching before getting into a B ed program. That's what they said. You know, I, I applied and I went to the, for the interview at York and they said, I think you need a little bit more experience. I think they were maybe thinking more of a volunteer experience than that. And I just happened to go by because living in uh, Bramley, just north of uh, Mississauga, I went into the Peel office and they had um, a TA position full time in a grade six classroom. And I thought, oh, you know, I applied for it and got it. And it, I went from there. You know, part-time contracts, uh, full-time contracts, several years in uh, Peel and several years in Simcoe. And uh, I just stumbled upon, you know, getting into the faculty of education. And that's an interesting story. I think Chris knows this, Vito, uh, but you don't know it, Vito. Is I was finishing my master's at Nipissing and I was uh, with the dean of education in one of his classes and he pulled me aside and he said to me, you know, Glenn, I really think you should uh, apply for your doctoral work. And I said, wow, you know, for ha having someone like a dean say that to me, it was, you know, it, it left a really lasting impression. So I did. And I got in on my second time 
second attempt getting into uh, OISE, U of T. Um, and then I noticed there was a position up at Nipissing. So I applied and I went and I, and I took a day off school when I was teaching. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that always the way? <laughs> when the next job, you have to use the personal day. That's <laughs> what my wife and I, I we got in the car. I uh, drove up to North Bay, put my suit on in country style donuts. <laughs> and went to see the, the dean, and he said, you know, how can I, you know, what can I do for you? And I said, I, I, I want to work here. And I interviewed and did not get the job. <laughs> got, oh, jeez. Here we I go was, again. <laughs> I did not get the job. I lost to a, a seasoned UFT prof, which I should have, you know, I should have surrendered that position to him. But the um, the dean said to me, I have good news and bad news. The good news is, the bad news is you didn't get the job. But the good news is um, I want to offer you the education and schooling job. And I said, oh, that sounds great. Because do you have any questions? I said, yeah, what do you mean by education and schooling? <laughs> <laughs> that no was my question there. <laughs> you know, I went from there. And uh, here I am and wrapping up my career at Nipissing. Wow. wow. That is um, – I hate to interject, but um, you could have you could have so much of that um, – when it came time for me to choose to do a master's, it wasn't even on my, my like radar. Yeah. And then Glenn said to me, no, you, you got to do a master's. Well, you know, it's hard <laughs> to pay it forward too, Chris, because I, I could see you and I together in class and the way you presented yourself, like you've got to do this. Uh, you've got to get a doctoral degree. Um, it's time for you two guys to take over. And that's what I mean that sincerely take over. When you get your experience, you take over, you take, I pass a baton on to you, to teachers like yourselves. And I'm well, it, well, I appreciate that, Glenn. And I've always been hesitant to finish up the academia, just being in there, uh, yeah. getting the master's. And a, a lot of people pushed me to do my doctorate. And I was like, geez, I, I just, I don't know if I have the heart to, to, to continue forward and, and deal with, you know, not only the political realm, but the the ego realm that you have to deal with, yeah. and, and everything else that goes along with the the public and parish world. Not to mention the flood of of academics kind of going in there and not yeah. being pushed in by wonderful, bright people like yourself or, or the dean of education, yeah. but just to say, like, I'm just trying to fill a spot here. Well, but, make a point. Yeah, you know, to tell you another thing, uh, the way um, higher education is going for us. Um, you know, going into my 15th year here at Nipissing. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not speaking poorly about any organization or institution, but they're looking more for part-time instructors to fill those positions. And they're going less in the tenure track and tenured faculty. And that's a business decision that they're going with. And unfortunately, you know, there are fewer and fewer positions with that are tenure track opening up. And, and that's that's a tricky one because a lot of people who are, at the point where they're we're preparing to take kind of the leap into that, have yeah. have young families and uh, you know the whole myriad of other things that come along with kind right. of being at that age. Yeah, no, that's it. And it's it, there's a shift. I think there's more of um, an emphasis on on money. Mm-hmm. They would rather have, and or they're more 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 than willing to take on um, a, a retired principal. And that's a good. It's good because they have a lot of experience. Absolutely. Because, but you're looking at someone who will be taking um, a position for eight thousand dollars a course, and that's sort of and that's difficult to live on when you're um, you've wrapped up a PhD or EDD. 
Absolutely. And we could probably spend this whole episode just discussing that whole portion of what's going on in terms of the business model of the universities and colleges. Because you had mentioned you have an appreciation for college, but there's there's kind of a what's a programming now into young people. It's like college or university is just that extra level in that video game you have to go to before you get that piece of paper. It's another roadblock or, or whatever the case may be. So it makes sense that they turn to a business model because that's kind of the the story, the narrative being fed to them. I think you're right. Yeah. Vito, you're, you're spot on there. So let's, let's, let's stick to, let's go back to kind of your work here in being an educator of educators, which is a huge task undertaking. Uh, What do you see some as emerging trends right now in education and training, like both positive and negative? Um, A lot of positive, but I think I'll talk about the negative first and and both of you would know with, um, with the violence in classrooms and the lack of support for teachers uh, that's a concern I see. The explosion of students on IEPs, and uh, for us, you know, in the field, not having the supports. Uh, when I started in the early, you know, late '80s, early '90s, in a classroom of 37, I, I would maybe have three or four IEP kids. And now, I talk to my teacher candidates, and they have 15, 14, 15, 16. <laughs> and and, and these are. These are teacher candidates who are going in on like a week one placement too, right? That's it. And you know, they're and they're overwhelmed. And understandably so. With all wow. of the needs. So I, you know, that's a, a major shift. I, I I see a lot of really enthusiastic teacher candidates coming in who want to make a difference, and that's positive. Um but the supports is the concern. It's not. It's not the financial thing because, you know, globally Canadians are, are Canadian teachers are played uh, rather handsomely. According, you know, looking around the world, mm-hmm. it's, it's the supports that I'm concerned about for teachers. Um, it's wearing so many hats in the classroom as a counselor, as a surrogate parent, um, as, a, as a coach, as a teacher. When I started, I was the teacher, but then as I, you know, as I was progressing into the early 2000s before coming up to Nipissing, um, the stressors for teachers, it's grown exponentially over the years. And I'm wondering too, we've done an episode, we've actually done two episodes on burnout. And yeah. are, is this, is this like kind of uh, this different shift where kind of, um, you know, people need to start to be the Swiss army teacher. Um, That's it. Do, do, are are we seeing like is burnout becoming more prominent in the era of having to do it all? I think so. I yeah, think it's a, you know, we, you and I have talked a lot of Chris about uh, the realities of teaching, and and stress and growing stress uh, is is a um, it's a growing concern for our you know our teaching body. Right, and, and that's where we're leading into so many places where. Teachers are like, you know, it's a great profession, especially coming in saying, I'm going to be the teacher. But then you're like, wow, there's so many hats I'm wearing. I'm burning out. And I have how many years left before I can retire? I don't know if I can do that. Well, we're, according to the, the stats from OC uh, College of Teachers in Ontario, a lot of teachers at the five-year mark are making decisions whether, you know, do I want to go forward with this? Can I carry this burden for, forward? Um, with the emotional um, exhaustion, the physical exhaustion, 
Uh, and like you said, the burnout, it's, it's a, it's a game changing decision being made at the fifth, sixth year of teaching and people are, you know, some people backing away. And that's even five years is, is still yeah. the infancy of your teaching. That's right. And um, I try to say to my teachers that, you know, graduating, um, things will get better with experience. And if you're able to, um, to leave the job in the school, if you, as best you can, and I've always said to my teachers, do as much, you know, do as much work as you can in the school. You know, I, I would see teachers leaving at, you know, four o'clock. I'd rather stay there a bit later so I can get my marking done, get um, orchestrate my next day, get it all ready and set up and ready to go versus having to you know, make that drive home and think about the work that I have to do when I get home. Absolutely. When, when the work of being husband, when the work of being dad, when the work of being mom is, is the primary work that needs to be done there. Yeah. And you, you know, and that stressor leaks out into uh, our family, familial relationships and, and our sleep patterns and all of those things. So I, I, I really try to stress to our teachers to say, do as much as you can there, you know, try to leave that job there. Yes. Leave, leave work at work. That was probably the first advice my dad gave to me when I entered the world of, of working. He's like, you know, you go in, you, you do what you need to do. When you leave, you leave work at your workplace. And, I, you know, Chris and I have been talking how tough that is uh, with teaching, especially today, but how necessary it needs it is and it needs to be. So what, what else do you stress with your teacher candidates then? Like one is to do as much as you can at the office, so to speak. But what, what are some things you've really tried to get them to understand or to focus on, especially in their first years of teaching? Several things. Uh, to get a good mentor, a support group. Uh, your mentors now in your career with younger teachers coming in, if you can find a trusted teacher that you can bounce ideas off and maybe vent in a positive way too, um, that's vitally important to, to be able to do that. Um, Try to not be too hard on yourself, you know, and I, and I, I keep in touch with thousands of teachers and Chris knows this. Absolutely. And literally Chris, um, I've had conversations, Skype conversations, zoom telephone and uh, new teachers uh, a month into their job and they're in tears that wait a minute. Well, don't be so hard on yourself, you know, back up a bit. If you're worried about long-range plans, don't worry about it just yet. What did your principal say? She said not to worry about it. Then don't worry about it and take whatever small victories you can because this is a difficult job to transition into. Absolutely. The, the three of us know that. Oh, yeah. And I, it's it's so uh it's so like relevant what you're saying about that like let yourself have a breath, forgive yourself, take like understand you're doing okay. Um, just in the school startup this year, which is obviously like an unprecedented type of school startup. Yeah. Um, I'm already talking with, with young teachers who um, they're worried week two yeah. that not everyone is engaged yet. And they genuinely, that's a, it's a genuine in their heart. hundred percent aren't with me quite yet. It's two weeks in during a global pandemic because they, 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 there's always that thought like that the other shoe's going to fall. Yeah. Um, right. So I think you're just hitting such amazing points. And, you know, in, I te- I'm teaching uh, in the last few years when creating, now all the, cor- Chris and I have also talked about this, Vito, 
is um, I've been pushing for years to have classroom management to be a required course. Oh, and yes. this year, you know, finally it is for all of our students. I petitioned, I rallied for it, I did some research behind it. Finally now, it's a required course. And a big part of that, and as Chris knows, as we talked about, is rapport building. And, you know, rapport building takes time. <laughs> and you, you can't go in and, in your first one week, two weeks, three weeks, say, I'm not connecting with these kids. I'm not getting through to them. Give yourself some time, my friend. You know, ease into it. It takes time. It, takes- <laughs> it does. And and it's a lifelong skill. Um, like, right. You know, there, there's many things I, I work on in my own craft, like every year. And if, like you said, finding my mentor. I still find mentors to... Yeah. to to, to guide me but the one thing that i've always been working on is that rapport building and so the running you know compliment that i've had the my you know the teachers have fed to me is like Vito, you can just look at a student for 10 seconds and you've built rapport with them and i was like but that comes over like practicing this for 20 years yeah like, understanding right. how that works that's right and, and, and our teachers just want to just want it right away yeah and they do <laughs> yeah. Well, last Last week, we spoke to three young ladies who were in their second year doing their education degree, yeah. and they were just champing at the bit. They wanted to get in those classrooms. Oh, we don't. We don't the school doesn't need to have. Let's just jump yeah. into it. And they were so. And, and at the same time, they were all terrified. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> and, and you know, and another thing that I'm, I'm really happy about, and my my research speaks to this. And I'm going back uh, back a bit. Is it, it's a two-year program is advantageous for our teachers, mm-hmm. really, because to give them that extra time in the classroom to uh, hone their skills, to build their confidence, and a big part of what I I try to um, impress upon our teacher candidates is that building confidence and report both take a lot of time. Mm-hmm. So I really see a difference of uh, confidence levels for the teachers leaving after two years versus the one-year program. And I was a one-year and out. I say, I think I was the last one year yeah, out at Nipissing. That's it. And I me- I remember when I graduated, thinking, you know, I'm not really ready for this. You know, in I, I may not have articulated that to other people, but in my head, I thought, I don't know if I have all that it takes to uh, to assume a classroom of my own. But I think <laughs> yeah. the program, I think it's 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 helping. Now, now let's go back to the classroom management. Yeah. piece because you mentioned rapport building yeah. when people think classroom management they're thinking you know how, how to keep strict guidelines in the room what exactly are we tackling in classroom management because I, you know it's that was a huge weakness of mine like i had no control over my classroom for the first few years and then i just kind of picked it up as i went uh, but what, what what are some of the areas specifically that you're focusing on in that class that's a good question you know I, I i talk a lot about structure uh, building structure, transitions, um, making sure the, the students know about uh, their expectations, responsibilities in the classroom. And it's a big, uh, many one of the many themes that I really impress upon our students is to have a plan A, B, C, and D as a classroom manager, because mm-hmm. you know, you're know you working on your feet. I've assessed teachers uh, for the last, uh, since I've been at Nipissing, Essentially, from 2006 to 2010, I was um, assessing our teacher candidates in the classroom. And now that we, we we don't do that anymore because of the money restrictions. But I've had teachers up there that I was assessing in a 15-minute intermediate session. Um, and um, 
they'd be up there for 10 minutes and, and walk by me and say, listen, I'm, I'm done. I, my lesson plan's over. And say, <laughs> you've, got 40, you've got 40 minutes left. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. And an intermediate, woo. <laughs> a lot of my friends who are not, who aren't teachers have asked me, you know, what is it really like? And I think the best way that I can share with them, um, them being not being teachers is, it's like you're running a meeting for seven hours. And yeah. you're in charge of every minute, man, and every transition minute to another part of the meeting. And they say, yeah, you know, I get that. Because they may be in the business world and they know that when they have to run a meeting, they have to have everything orchestrated and ready to go. Try that for seven hours a day, five days a week. And then they begin to understand, you know, the rigors of what we do. When I made the jump from the 40 to 50 minute kind of JI classes to the senior high school at 90 minutes, I remember planning that first high school lesson for it must have been a two hour plan session for me to come in there and it to be over in 20 minutes and looking at that clock thinking, <laughs> I guess we're going to do seat work now. Because <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I think, I think, I, I think that uh, in terms of building a structure in your management, you can't have like management can't be a piece of your teacher tool belt. Management has to be like married to planning, married to long range, married to everything. Yeah, um, that's right. Because if you know, if um, if you're up there and you're in charge, like you, like like you're suggesting, Christopher, that you need to have something. Like you need to know. Okay, I got to segue into this, and I have to do this, and I have to be ready for this because all the research shows students, the fangs will come out when they realize you're struggling up there and you're really not certain about what you're doing. So that's one of the real a bedrock foundational pieces I, st- I stress to our teacher candidates. It's like, you've got to be ready. Absolutely. You know, 30 years in, Chris and Vito, I, I practice my sessions <laughs> still with guiding notes and I've got everything in my head. I will get into a classroom, you know, if it's in the lecture hall, I'll be there 40 minutes, 45 minutes earlier, early if I can, to set up, to have everything ready, to have all, everything bang, 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 so I know exactly what I'm doing. And I, I, that's one of the real things that I impress upon uh, my teacher candidates is, is that your prep will show and your prep will build your confidence. I, I really like that, uh, especially I think, you know, we've all been caught on that. Oh, I'm done sure. early. What do I do? And the veteran teacher knows how to transition out of that into saying, OK, well, I'm done a bit early. So here's what we're going to do now. And they they, they have that plan B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, ready. Which all become, which all become plan A. That's yeah. It's plan. It's not plan A, B, C. It's plan A, 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 A. Um, And and like you said, those fangs, they come out. They come out because they see, um, oh, Mr. Dr. Sharp is, uh, he's not really ready for this. So, you know, the sidebar (laughs) conversations open up and, uh, I've been there at a grade three class, a grade six class, a grade 10 class, and a B.Ed. class. So it's another thing, gentlemen, that's that's interesting. Uh, one of the teachers that I used to teach with um, back in intermediate, when I was an intermediate teacher, said, you know, what's it like, you know, now that you've been up at Nipissing for 15 years? What's the difference between teaching at Nipissing and teaching grade eight? And I thought about it. I said, Nothing. Because it's all, but the prep is the exact same thing. 
The presentation is the exact same thing. Um, the organization is the exact same thing. Everything's timed out to the minute. You know, I, I know I'm going to speak to my group for 25 minutes and then we're going to break and we're going to come back. So I've got it all mapped out. So that's, and they're, and they're surprised by that. And I was, I was quite surprised by that too. Well, no, you, you're, you're hitting, you're hitting that now because I did go from grade eight to uh, grade 12 and yeah the one thing I learned in intermediate or everyone learns in intermediate is you need to have every minute planned out because uh, that, that level right there won't give you more than four seconds before they destroy you. And so, and so like jumping to that grade 12 is like, I still like that structure is in place from the second I welcome them in the door. That's right. And, and, and two, to speak to both of those points, your level of being prepared affords you the ability to look as though you're speaking off the cuff and you're being organic and you're being approachable. Um, and it all comes back to that prep, which is really management. That's it. And, and you know what? You're right, Chris, because um, I still, I'll, I'll you know post a PowerPoint slide or whatever presentation I'm doing. I will print it off here in my office and I'll watch the leaf game. And I will look at the slides and I will peep, 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 A, B, C. <laughs> These stop. two Ottawa boys will forgive you for that. <laughs> what? No, 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 no. I'm a Leafs fan, man, buddy. Come on. <laughs> no, and really, and I would have, I would, I would do that. And it's, it's my practice and um, it hasn't failed me. So that's what I really impressed my teachers. So what do they do when they come up and doing a 50 minute workshop? They'll have some guiding notes. And I want to see you be that orchestra leader up in front of that classroom. Oh, I like that. Sorry, I I, I like that imagery, the orchestra leader. I really like that. You know, and and, and I really, and and I'm I'm using that, uh, even that image um, with my classroom management first years. uh, I have three sections of 50-50-50 almost. Do you believe that? Yeah. And I show them a conductor. Now, Leonard Bernstein, there's a photo of him and said, this is who you are. <laughs> You're orchestrating things. Boop, this goes here. That goes there. I need everyone's attention here. And I'm going to circulate the room. And uh, I know what the woodwinds are doing. I know what the brass section is doing. And I know what the percussion ses- section is doing. And I, I, I'm in charge. And, and, and the kids, you know, in my classrooms, yeah, they know that. And, um, and that translates well in classroom management. I like that imagery. Um, I can even, and, and you can almost name who the woodwinds are and who yeah. the brass is, you know, that is powerful. Um, I think that's an important one to, to, to really remember. And, and Chris, you'll remember this. And I want to see you sharp that room. Meaning, yeah. you know, you're, you're everywhere. I'm not going to be at, I'm not going to be that teacher or prof who's going to be standing at the front I'm going to be around that room. And then the students go, oh, this guy's got it. He knows what's going on. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm from table to table to table. I will put on my uh, my 10 kilometers a day in a primary, junior, intermediate classroom. I'm going to be around. You're, you're going to see me. I'm going to have those shin splints the first week of school. Absolutely. Absolutely. In the last four years, I actually pushed my teacher desk into the corner because I never sit at it. Like yeah. I'm, a, I'm always circulating. I'm and a machine. I want to. I want to be around there. I want. I'm going to be in everyone. I'll be at every table. Bang, 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 bang. 
And keeping those connections, the first thing we talked about, rapport building, how are you making that rapport if you're not making those rounds? How are you making that rapport if you're not having those those conversations that happen in between the work? That's exactly it. You know, both verbally and non-verbally. Like just, you know, a, a nod of the head or a redirection with your finger on a piece of paper. You know, those are the things the kids pick up on that. And, um, you know, you're, you're, uh, you're shark in the room. That's your presence. Wow. <laughs> so, okay. Where, where do we jump off from here? Okay. So plan a uh, is coming at you now, Glenn. <laughs> um, like we, we, talk, we, we, we talk with new teachers, like yeah. Chris said last episode and you know, they're, they're excited to get into the classroom because when it comes to a B ed program, it's a lot of it is the theoretical part. And yeah. a lot of the theoretical kind of goes to the wayside when you actually get into the classroom. Um, yeah. And how, how would you say like, because the, the theory is important if you want to build a solid classroom. Yeah. So uh, how would you recommend students to hold that theory within their practice practice because it can fall apart so easily? Um, I like to marry the theory with the realities of teaching, you know, and I try to make it as, um, what I, what I try to think about Vito is when when I'm in a a B ed classroom, what would I want, what would I want to take away from this session? If I was on the other side of the ledger, if I was just, if I was a teacher candidate sitting in the seat, what would I want to take away from it? So that's the lens that I use. Like I, I can't go up there. We're talking about Maslow in, um, is hierarchy of needs in my class session three or four, but I got to make that. Um, I don't want to regurgitate that. I want to make that real, so people can take away the whole notion of enduring understanding of yes, I can use this. Uh, this is applicable for me as a classroom teacher. Touch the theory, yes, because it's part, I'm mandated too, but make it uh, breathable, uh, something authentic, and something that they can. T- take away into the classroom and say, I can use this. And this makes sense to me now as um, an emerging teacher candidate. Um, that speaks to me on a number of levels. I, I believe it was, uh, I think it was you actually about 10 years ago who said to me, um, like when you're teaching, if there's no reason for them to be learning it, why are you teaching it then? That's yeah, that sounds like something I would, I would say. <laughs> and, and I remember sitting there thinking, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah, I you know what that's funny that you say that, Chris, because when I first had the education and schooling job in 2006, um, which morphed into legal social foundations, you know, a few years ago, same course content, and a but a component of it was. Uh, the history of education in Ontario, and I was was mandated to do that session. I thought, you know, as I was doing it, I saw eyes, you know, sort of thinking, like, how is this going to help me? Like, can't you just do this in a handout? And I thought, you know what, it's quite interesting hmm. because you know, I could see the body language of the people that I was trying to uh, to share this message with, saying, I can't use this. You know, this is. This is something I can read on a Wikipedia page. And I thought, yeah, man. So that sort of, sh- that shaped my future direction the last 15 years. It's like, yeah, yeah, I've got to, I've got to take what I, what nuggets I can from the curriculum and make them um, jump out and, and, and try to, um, 
really generate some strategies for success for whatever I'm doing for so people can take it and say, I, I can use that. I'm going to use that as that strategy. So it's, it's making the real world connections. Like how is this applicable to my life? Yeah. Being a, being a, being a Mohawk, I'm a storyteller. So I try to, uh, I try to have a lot of anecdotes and stories and reflections on my time as a teacher in the classroom. Um, and I think that resonates with teacher candidates. So, you know, yeah, you know, it's, it's not just a, uh, in the side story. This is, this is what really happened to this, this uh, teacher, maybe in the early nineties or uh, in the late nineties or in the early two thousands. So that, I, think, I, think I think too, a narrative approach is one that, Young people, whether they're a young person who's 18 years old or a young person who's six years old, they hang on to it. Yes, they do. I agree. They, with you. they can Senator. put a face to the learning. They can put the story together. So let's use. Let's look at this idea from the curriculum. I'm going to share um, a reflection, and now let's brainstorm together ways we can address that problem that we're uh, we're looking at via the curriculum. It's and it's such a grounding point because really, uh, as you know, story is really what connects us. It's, I, it's the story. That's it. You know, that's and that's the one of the 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 main uh, threads going through all of my sessions. Even when I started out in the late eighties, it's oh. tried that, and then let's let's take it from there. It's a launching point too. But then it just, and then it keeps cycling back. Like this morning, I, I was giving a lesson where doing ethics and morality. And before I even started mapping the ethical experience, I told them the story of how my roommate at Ayn University harbored a refugee from Dubai who came out to his parents that he was gay and that we had to hide him um, so, wow. so that people wouldn't come get him. And I said, you know, the ethics of this was that we didn't think twice. We just hit him. We didn't care about our concern or how we we're going to feed him or where he was going to sleep. And so they start with that story and then you explain what ethics is afterwards. And all of a yeah. sudden you have something to cycle back to, like just and, and the fact that you, you know, they understand yeah. that. Well, back, you know, I'll tell you a little story here, you know, being a storyteller. Yes. Uh, and this is interesting too. And Chris, I think you, you, you made me remember me saying this. I had um, a student that I had in grade three and four for two years uh, come up to me and say, um, Glenn, I'm uh, Mr. Sharp because she still called me Mr. Sharp. I'm going to be at Nipissing. So it comes in you know, a full circle. So she's now a teacher seven, eight, nine years later. She said, Dr. Sharp, would you like to go to my wedding? And I said, I would I? I'll, I'll be there. It was in North Bay. So I'm at the wedding. You know, everyone's enjoying the wedding the way uh, with adult beverages, etc. <laughs> I have this young strapping guy about six foot two come up to me and he goes, you don't remember me, do you? And I said, I, I, I got to be honest, I don't. I was in your card club in grade three. So this is the, the teacher that I had in grade three, four, her younger brother. And he said, you know, I can't. He goes, do you remember that? And you know what? I, I, when he said it, I remembered it. But he said, but that had made such an impression upon him, you know, that rapport building and that connection that he still remembered that 25, 30 years later. And I, and I, you know, I thought, you know, that's, you know, that's, that's a connection there and a positive one. And wow. then we just about car club and, you know, it's just, it, it sort of put my whole career in, into, um, 
into a box that I can look at and say, yeah, that's that's good rapport, that's good connection, it's authentic, it's honest, and um, it lends itself to a to the cherry on the top of a, a good career. I I I can't stress enough how uh, how real what you're talking about is and it's it's hitting me in some a pretty emotional ways um and you're speaking of someone 30 years deep i'm at the point in my career where i'm i'm 10 years in and i'm not getting that sort of thing but what's happening now is i'm getting the younger siblings yeah that's it and then what they do is they come and say hey you taught my older sister eight years ago and I've been excited to have you as a teacher ever since. And, and it, and it's, so it's exactly what you're saying, but it's kind of, um, it's kind of like while we're in it still. Yeah. And, and, and so I think that that thread that just keeps going is, is tying a lot of stuff together from rapport to management, to planning, to the connections you make by sharing your stories. Um, I, I think it's all connected. I, I think, I don't think we have a teacher tool belt, I think we, in fact, embody all of those things. I don't think we have the option to say, I'm going to use this tool today. It's all, all the time. And, and that's something that I think is so important in terms of being in the classroom is that it's 100% of the time, go, 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 go. You're in it. You're running the seven hour meeting, like you say, yeah. and it doesn't end. And you don't get to choose which tools you get to use because it's your clients, those students who get to choose which tools they're going to take. That's exactly right. And you know what, gentlemen, we're in it for the right reasons. Why? It's not, it's not, a, it's not the money. You know, it's, 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 it's um, helping the kids along. And, mm. and I'll tell you, Chris knows this, Vito, my, uh, my research, my primary re research focuses on teacher abuse of students. Okay. Uh, wow. My, my doctoral dissertation on that. And a, a big part of it was how perceptive kids are when they can see and sense that you're really there for their well-being. And I don't care if that kid's in kindergarten, man, or if they're in grade three, nine, 12, uh, be it, they can really sense that you want the best for them. And the three of us, you know, we, we have worked with teachers who didn't have that same investment or that same mindset. And I've worked with a lot of teachers like that, gentlemen, to be honest with you, over the years um, that I thought, mm, I don't know if you're in it for the right reasons. Mm. Now that's being perfectly honest. And that's my, uh, and that's the thrust of my research focus is about, you know, teachers who um, maybe cross that line um, regarding uh, their navigation of the room, shall I say. Yeah. And just the, the long-term consequences like that that must have been really tough research to to look into i i can't imagine you looking into this and saying hey oof. oh my friend i'll tell you um i had a really very a, a punitive really difficult teacher in grade six uh and he was the thrust for why i wanted to do this research on teacher abuse of students in ontario um circling around I was teaching in, in Brampton as a, um, in the late 90s. And in comes this man, as a, a retired teacher, as a supply teacher, comes into the school and says hello to me. And this guy didn't 
didn't know who I was. And I looked at him and said, Mr. So-and-so, I was in your grade six classroom. You know, but and and there was still Vito and Chris, there was still that simmering hostility I had for that, the way he treated all of us. And uh, it's quite, you know, it's quite interesting. So that was the, the, the impetus for my research. And and how many how many teacher candidates do you get to speak to who's like the, the catalyst for them choosing to get into the career aside from wanting to help kids is I had this amazing teacher and he inspired me or she inspired me or I had this terrible experience and I knew I could do better. You're exactly right. Exactly right. Um, even another grade 13 teacher, uh, just being in that classroom, this was again, when they had grade 13 and I was a bit of a card in class, you know, this, is, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I, I didn't mind having the floor telling, you know, I would break things up, you know, thing in the classroom. <laughs> that's, the best, that's the best way of saying it. I didn't mind having the floor. Yeah. <laughs> I could have, and he said it publicly in front of everyone, Glenn, you should never consider university. You're never going to, you're never going to make it. Uh, you're never, you're and I thought, and I, and I did come across this gentleman years later, um, and I wanted to go up and say, hello, sir, it's, it's Glenn Sharp. You can call me Dr. Sharp, sir. <laughs> yes. Oh, you know what? Harlan Ellison, an author I, I really enjoy and look up to for his work, always felt that a little bit of revenge was good. Yeah. And he, he had a professor in his first year who told him he didn't know how to write. He should become a plumber. And, oh. and so... And so what did Harlan do, being the temperamental guy that he was? Every time he got a story published, he sent a copy to this professor for 20 years. <laughs> and Harlan Ellison wrote 1,300 stories, people. like. <laughs> oh, man. You know, that, that's, yeah. You know, that, whatever gets us through the program, so to speak, right? If uh, it can be a positive or something like negative, if it doesn't destroy you completely, you can remember those things and say, yeah, I can, I'm, gonna, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to show them. And unfortunately, like that's, you know, it, it could be a good motivator, but for people like yourself, Glenn, or myself, because similar situation in grade four um, with a teacher who, based on my demographic of the neighborhood I was in, said there was no point in challenging these students because they're not going to be more the construction workers or housewives. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, th- this kind of gets you that motivation. But for some students, that could be it for them. They'd be like, oh, yeah. I-, I guess I am worthless. That is, We're talking about us being resilient people, but not everyone has that built into them. No, you're right. And and Vito, when I was when I was talking to people doing this research at the uh, U of T, everyone I everyone I talked to, and they say, "What are you doing your research on?" It could be in class at OISE, it could be um, in the field when I was teaching. I said, "Well, I'm doing teacher abuse of students," and every person had had a teacher's. Oh, I want to tell you about this teacher. Man, he or she was, and just, and I just, I listened to that, and I was, I gave the um, respondents, I had, I think, 300 um, people able to respond on my research, and I gave them an opportunity to write in some things about reflections about some poor teaching, and some of the stories were, uh, you know, heartbreaking. It it just speaks to the, like, the real 
the gift and importance of of what it means to be a teacher because there's there's a power in 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 this profession that a lot of people wouldn't understand and and that power and i hate oh my goodness i'm spider-manning um it 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 has a lot of responsibility absolutely right you know and and i think that another part of going you know going back to uh the program is um and our teacher candidates is about what what are you really going to do to to combat and deal with your stress you know it's not the student you take that stress out on if you find you're getting um your tether's getting a bit short it's time for you to step away and take a day off or two and 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 move and, and recharge my wife and i used to go down to the carlton in toronto on a friday mm. and watch foreign films because i needed a day to to get out and um and 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 just to get away from the classroom or we'd go to canada's wonderland in may so that was nice when there's a lot oh, of oh yeah and we and i would do that gentlemen on a friday and i'd go back on monday and it's game on i'm ready to go for sure you know what i mean for sure Sure. So, so to talk, talk to us then, like Chris and I here and teachers in our the same vein, you know, the one thing I always worry about is becoming stagnant or worse, like getting my ego, get ahead of me saying, Oh, I'm good. I'm, I'm good. I'm solid now. I'm always looking to improve. And so what advice would you have for us and, and how we could go about our, our professional development? Cause we kind of seek that out on our own, but yeah. you've seen teachers for many years now, what, what kind of advice would you give to us kind of in the emerging into the middle of our career? Um, you're not going to make everyone happy. <laughs> it doesn't matter if it's a parent, guardian, grade six student, B-Ed student, um, administrator. You're, you know, I, I always say to my teachers, let it go because you're not going to make every, and we want to, we want to make every, everyone happy and, and, and to like us, as a teacher, as a B.Ed. Um, classroom manager, instructor, let it go. You're not going to make everyone happy. You're going to have to make tough decisions. Um, and if someone's not happy with a decision you've made, you've made it um, considering their best interests. So let that go. It's you know, it's it's something. It's it's a cross we bear about trying to uh, to make everyone happy. Nah, no, and just say no politely. Oh, that, that's one. Yeah. <laughs> say, say no politely. Yes, I can't do that right now because, or, or whatever. And I see a lot of our teacher candidates um, trying to take on too much when they get into yeah. their careers. Mm-hmm. You know I mean? I'm going to be the track coach. I'm going to be in the library club. I'm going to be uh, doing this and this. Whoa, whoa. Why don't you re- rephrase that or rethink that and do one or two things well? Versus extending yourself too too thin. Vito and I kind of referred to that as having a hierarchy of yeses in our life. Yeah, that's it. I like it. Right. That, that's right. it. That's, I, and I'm going to use that, Chris. <laughs> scary. Look at that. I'm going to use that in class. It's scary. I'm, absolutely. I'm not going to reference you in that. Count oh, it. Thank you. Hear the click. I'm writing it down right now. Uh, but but no, um, saying no politely, and especially in the, those early years, having a good hierarchy of yeses is so important. Because um, it. it's not about saying no to being the basketball coach. It's yeah. about saying yes to spending a little more time with my kids. It's That's not it. about saying no to starting the Pokemon club. It's about saying yes to 
being able to start the board game club. Um, and, and I, and that's something that I think you articulated so in such a good way, because it's such, it's, it's a path, um, when you are drowning, it's, it's a path to starting to have some of those negative behaviors. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and one of the things that I've talked about quite a bit with my um, teacher candidates is, you know, the greatest currency in a school is the invested time that you're going to spend with the kids because they know um, Mr. 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 P is there for us because he's helping us in this regard. And they also know, when a teacher, uh, they're bolting at the door at quarter to four and they don't have any other vestment outside of the classroom with the kids. Um, you know, they're the first out the door. They're, they're, they're getting out, 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 of, out of the building when the kids are leaving at quarter to four. So uh, I did say that too to my students. And then I've always, uh, I've always, one thing that's really bugged me is, uh, is the attitude of outside of these walls, you don't exist. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, they do. And you might have to say hi to them. That's it. And, and you're right. Yeah, 100%, Chris. And you can't hide anymore. Like, this isn't like I go home and I don't have to see them ever again. It's like you will run into your students. Maybe not your students this year, but last year, the year before, 10 years ago. You were always going to be uh, Dr. Sharp or Mr. Polson or Mr. McKenzie to your students. You're it doesn't always, matter. You're always on Vito, right? Always. We don't know what eyes are all, you know, we could be in the parking lot. We could be at the ball game or whatever. Um, we're always on. And I, I have to, I stress that to our, our uh, BIA candidates. You've got to be aware of that. You're on that stage, whether you like it or not. And, and, it, and it gets surreal too. I remember one time I, I was sitting down to have some drinks with the local magicians in Ottawa, uh, a profession of mine for 10 years, Glenn, I, I don't know if Chris, I tipped you off on that, but we would meet every Wednesday. And uh, one Wednesday I go to sit down and there's, there's a beverage in front of me. And I thought, Oh, who paid for this? And it was one of my former students who showed up, recognized I was there and bought it for me. And I was like, wow, how amazing and embarrassing is that? (laughs) (laughs) You enjoyed it. Oh, oh, completely, completely. (laughs) No doubt. I learned my lesson in that regard years ago, gentlemen. I was uh, doing an intermediate class, and it was the last day before the holiday break in December. And one of the kids, and, you know, it, with intermediate kids, they look like, um, you know, they, uh, they're they in their 20s, some of them, but they still like the color, as you both know. <laughs> and Mr. Sharp, what are you going to be doing over the holiday? And I said, well, um, I stay here if, I stay, I stay in the school and, uh, you know, I have a hot plate in the back and I have a hot chocolate and, and I'm going to mark your stuff. And I, you know, of course I thought that was a great joke, right? Unless until mother came marching in at four o'clock that last day of school before the, the winter holiday saying, uh, you've with a daughter in tow in tears, grade eight, because she thought I was really staying at the school and I didn't have any family. (laughs) Oh, so I thought, oh. okay, Glenn, you're going to have to really mind what you say. Yeah. Because she thought I was literally staying there, living in the school with a hot plate, and I'd be alone for Christmas. So, you know, I, I just thought, okay, I've got to re- reevaluate that and be sure to, uh, to think about everything I say. So, um, 
that that's some good advice um yeah. and then i guess i guess to a, a final question to ask you tonight so what do you do and what questions do you ask um, to improve your own teaching practice when you're taking that look in the mirror as an educator of educators, yep. what are the kind of things you do to keep, you know, what's your whetstone? I, I tried to um, every, what I do, and this is, and you'll know this, Chris, is um, I get all of the teachers candidates to do a research reviews. So I, I'll read say um, 150 a term. So what am I doing? I'm reading every piece of new research that's yeah, coming out. Uh, no, I, I remember brilliant. doing that. Brilliant. I remember it and we'd meet, there was one day a week and everyone would share their, their thoughts on it. That's it, right? Chris, remember the research talks we used to do? For sure. And I, I think that speaks to a good practice that could be happening within cohorts of teacher friendships. Exactly right. So, and I would say to our teachers, you know, I think this is a good assignment because you're tapping into your interests regarding uh, research in this area, this area, this area. But know what I'm doing. A big part of it is I'm reading all of those summaries and I'm taking what I read from you and I'm integrating it into my work. And that's what I do. And it's automatically keeping you up to date with emerging trends. Exactly right. So I'm doing the same thing now with classroom management. So, I've given our teachers 75 topics, and if they want to go beyond that, that's awesome. And I've been reading them all. So see this pen right here, uh, Chris? Um, so I'm sending in that application now for Glenn to get the oh. World Teaching Award. Sorry, <laughs> you're going to have to do it next year. I, I'm putting it in oh, right geez. now. That's not my year again. <laughs> um, oh, no, no. No, I, I, I rifle things from other people. See, Chris, I'm rifling your idea right here. <laughs> yes. I'm going to use it, man. That's what I, you know, I, we're sponges to taking in whatever we can and using it however we can to make it as interesting as we can. I absolutely love that. Like that's right. just let, let it just take it all in and let it spill it on your practice. And like for, as a, as a writer as well, Ray Bradbury said, you know, you got to let your brain just fill up so much that it spills out onto the page. So like his yeah. recommendation was a poem, an article and a short story every day. And you do this for a thousand days and your head will just need to le let it leak. And what you're talking about there is exactly that. You just fill your head and your heart with so much material that it just leaks out afterwards. And I, I, I have probably over the last 15 years have read tens of thousands of different research articles from our students. And, I, and it's part of my diversity course. It's part of my classroom management course. It's a part of my legal social foundations course. It's a part of my classroom management course. I'm reading all that research and, and the blogs and the articles and I, yep that's going to keep me sharp and, and it and it it speaks too to just the importance of um having positive uh friendships within the education industry um because it's it's not just having friends that you can have a beer with but it's having friends that in doing what you love you're pushing each other to be better that's right that's right you know i can take something from Vito and i can share something with Vito and Vito shares it with you chris and you come up with something you share with me and say, oh, man, that's that's going to make um, every day unique for us as teachers. Absolutely. Well, it is the time. It's everyone's favorite time in the show now. It is what we like to call the Pulse and Point Takeaways. Here they come. Um, and from this show, uh, I have I've I've basically been taking notes from from a truly uh, a, a master educator, someone who I've looked up to through my whole career and often thought, you know, what would he do? 
Um, the first thing I have here is there's lots of different routes to the destination you want to be at. Um, you know, we talked with Glenn tonight and he didn't get into his B-Ed. There's so many different rivers to the ocean. Um, there's lots of shifts that are going to happen over a career in education. Get used to it. Yes. Um, we want to make a difference, but we may need to be Swiss army knives to do it. And that's okay. Uh, get a good mentor, find a trusted teacher, um, build structure and management will follow and yeah. let management guide the rest of the, the, the aspects of your life as a teacher, your planning, your implementation, all that stuff. Prep, prep, prep. I agree. Um, uh, marry the theory with the practice, because if you don't have one, the other won't follow um, because it's not for the money. It's for the kids. Get some colleagues and research together so that you can be a sponge off of each other. And remember, you're an orchestra leader. I, I Well, Chris, I think that's um, uh, that's well summarized. I think it's a, many good points, my my brother. Hey, that, <laughs> thank like, you. This, this, that was perfect. And right now, my head is swimming as we were ending this conversation. Uh, Glenn, I thank you so much for being here. Like, I, I've been thinking the last 10 minutes, I'm like, how am I going to bring this to my practice tomorrow? Like I'm, I'm already thinking of that. And, and so that just speaks volumes to just not only the depth uh, into which you know your craft, but the love that you have for it and the way you go about it. It just, it shows in everything that you do. So thank you so much for being with us tonight. Gentlemen, thank you very much. It's an honor. It was a pleasure talking to both of you. Thank you. Honor is ours. Uh, Thank you for joining us this week on the uh, Unapologist podcast. Next week, we're going to be looking at mental health and goal setting. So join us next week when we'll talk with great people, learn new ideas, and tell the story of teaching as it happens. This is Vito and Chris signing off. The Unapologist podcast.